Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Staying Conscious podcast. Uh, back again here, um, and today uh, my guest is uh, Shadi, a man who uh, is a YouTuber as well as a judoka. And uh, for those of you who don't know, I have been doing judo for a long time. You might have heard me talk about it in a few episodes here and there. But I've never really had the chance to dive into the topic of judo and martial art because I've never talked to anyone on my podcast who has been has has had a mutual interest uh, in that field. So um, today I decided to, uh, or a few weeks ago, I decided to actually invite this YouTuber since judo is a very big part of my life and um, I've been doing it for a long time. It has kind of integrated into the way that I think into the way that I act, the way that I actually want to live my life to perfect myself and become a better human being. Um, and so I think that judo has a lot of parallels to self-help and philosophy. And um, today I'm going to kind of uh, try to get a better understanding of judo because there's a lot of things that I don't know, uh, a lot of things about the history and uh, perhaps some other perspectives of judo, which I know that you're very good at, uh, Shadi. So, um, first of all, would you want to introduce yourself a bit and uh, let the audience know what, what you're about and what you do? Um, hi, my name is Shadi. Um, I'm a judoka. I used to train before that Aikido. Uh, I got my black belt. Um, I felt that there is a lot more challenges and a lot more uh, learning and growth to be made uh, in judo rather than just training in aikido uh, both philosophically and physically because uh, as judo i don't know if you read a little bit about the types of education uh, in judo is that you have the moral the intellectual and the physical so um physical it means you know taking yourself to the limit sometimes through rigorous training and sparring rounds and rounds uh, same thing with the studies that's outside of the mat. So I figured judo has a lot more to offer in terms of self-development, self also confidence, because one of the biggest reasons that I, I got into martial arts uh, or like the main reason that I got into martial arts was to basically be more confident and not helpless. And uh, so that's one thing about my martial background. I'm also... Uh, an artist, a painter, and I'm an architect living here in France. Oh, I see. I see. Wow. So was getting into martial arts, was that like a, something you, you got influenced by a, some certain person or was it something you just kind of discovered by yourself? Um, well, when I was a child, uh, well, when I, where I grew up, the city, etc., or the country, um, martial arts were almost like a luxury. So um, my old school, which was like a private school, they had the extracurriculum activities and judo was one of them. So I got into it and my sensei was an Olympian and also a national champion. I would see him on TV all the time. Um, I talked about this on my YouTube, but my first like ever bully and that i dealt with was actually using the judo that he taught me which was very brief period of time in my life but it impacted me a lot yeah. so when we had to move and there was no judo anymore um i was basically put in a bad neighborhood for economic reasons so uh, the bullying just never stopped and i'm talking about the generation of the mid 2000s so when you say stuff like bullying it's it's nothing. Like today we deal with uh, with stuff like anxiety, uh, mental health, uh, bullying, you know, assault. Very seriously, not like we did 15 years ago. 15 years ago, we would see these uh, like high school movies and see bullies, and we don't tend to think of it as that drastic of an effect that can have on a child, uh, especially in their formative years. So that really stuck with me and. Uh, um, if I had to pick out one main reason, no, it's it's me and my experiences that made me want to come back. So there was always this idea that, you know, if you don't start when you're young, uh, at an older age, it's not going to be as efficient or you're not going to be as physically fit to do it. But 
then I saw these old senseis. Then I was like, okay, so I've been fed a lie all my life. So I can clearly go back and readjust and really retrain my body. And I saw those old, you know, not old people, but like really like adults, almost middle age, that they started uh, gymnastics or anything else and they became really flexible. So I learned that you, you can always retrain your body. You can always have hope. Uh, if you believed in it, I wanted it enough. So that's before I even got into martial arts, I had to retrain. So that's uh, one way before getting into martial arts. Mm. Uh, so that's basically it. It's basically my experiences that really drove me back into martial arts back when I could afford it. And also, you know, when I'm an adult, basically. Right, right. Yeah, right. It's, it is never too late. I like what you said there. Um, I mean, right, right. you're absolutely right on the point that some people have an idea that you have to start yeah. early. But sometimes that can actually be a negative thing as well to start too early because um, you, you might not, You don't appreciate it. Right, exactly. You don't appreciate it and you perhaps you're not as conscious of what you're doing. So you're kind of just growing up with it. And then when you start to form your own opinions about things, you might have a different view. Uh, and that's where it can kind of be, um, okay, it can right. kind of go into conflict there. So when you make the conscious choice of right now, I want to start training because now is the time, then that's the correct time because you choose whenever you want to start doing your journey and it's never too late. Um, so, your transition was from, if I understood you correctly, was from Aikido to Judo, right? Right. So why did you decide to make that transition? Um, at first, I wanted Judo when I got into martial arts, but um, it was a university campus and they were offering, you know, if you're a student, show us your ID and you can train for free. Like even as an adult, I could not even afford it because all my money was going to my tuition. And my projects, I don't know if you know, but you know, when you're studying architecture, you have to uh, you know, plot or print out these huge format papers and also make these models. And these stuff are not cheap to create. Um, sometimes we would pay like $100, $150 just per project. And also you have your tuition on the site. So we were paying um, like a lot all your money would go either to like a new laptop for your rendering and for your drafting and uh, your Photoshop. And, you know, basically your whole life becomes architecture. Um, but I decided because my GPA was a bit low, um, I, and it was my brother who said, uh, you know, let's, let's go back to martial arts. He said, I said, can we do that? And he's like, yeah, let's, Let's really like dive into it and see, you know, we started to see, like I said, these old people that got in and did a lot of things in life. Mm -hmm. um, he got into karate and I got into Aikido and where I trained, it was only uh, Taekwondo and Aikido. And I'm really not about that striking. I really like, you know, takedowns, a little bit of uh, like wrist locks, etc. Right. But I really wanted judo. But there was no judo, and I figured, you know, since it's not competitive, and uh, when I first got into um, martial arts, the idea of sparring, just doing randori alone, terrified me. That's that's how much, uh, you know, my formative years affected me. Just the idea of sparring really terrified me. And, you know, I, at first I was being really safe, and I was uh, convincing myself, you know, there's no competition, this is for self-development, it's peaceful. And at the same time, you're training how to fight, which in reality, it's uh, what it claims to be in a lot of ways. Mm. So that's how it started. But do I regret it? Not really. The people, uh, a lot of the time they ask me, uh, do you regret going into Aikido first and, you know, doing four, four and a half years? And I would say not really because... Uh, I did learn a lot, a lot of the fundamentals, a lot of the basics, a lot of the etiquette, um, and a lot of cool techniques as well. Don't get me wrong. And I met a lot of great people like uh, Christian Tissier, who was one of the best Aikidokas in the world right now. Uh, he was my teacher. He gave me my black belt. 
but you know, as I matured and you know toughened up in a sense, I said, you know, now it's time to really uh, take it a step further. I cannot stay in my comfort zone. Yeah, right, right. Always evolving, always getting better, um, right. pushing that comfort zone. That's a crucial thing. Um, I, I also think that's something that martial arts as a whole can help us with in our everyday life, just trying to push that comfort zone. Because in order to get better in a technique, in a competition, in our level of judo or whatever it is that we're doing, we, have, we always have to advance. We always have to reach the, the roof of our limit, right? And we have to kind of right. push through that. Um, but what are some other things that you felt that martial arts personally helped you with uh, in your life regardless of being on the mat or outside the mat is how did it help you as a whole um let's start with the very basics um just general confidence Mm. um you know when you when you feel you have these skills and you can take on you know tougher guys on the mats um, when you develop a, a more, and then you start because you start to develop a more strategical brain or a mind or approach in what you do in judo, because you know I'm sure you've been to open mats, you've had these uh, or competition, and you've had these uh, like veterans, like 40, 45 year old men that are very strong, and they're at the same time they're very technical, and they just beat you like it's nothing, and you're like much younger than them. Yeah. Um, you start to go around that. You start to like, okay, what did they do? Okay, they repassed my guard, whether it's Newaza or stand up. They broke my balance. Like it's nothing. What was I doing wrong? Was it my stance? Was it my posture? You start to study and analyze things far deeply than you would ever do. Uh, and that, and at the same time, you develop a, um, I don't know, as children, um, we tend, when, for example, when we lose, like we tend to cry, we, we tend to throw tantrums, or we tend to blame someone else. And a lot of adults still have that mentality that with them, um, whether they failed in life in something, or you know, someone at work, um, you know, got that promotion that they they wanted, and they weren't happy for them. They they actually went behind their back and screwed them over. That's in my opinion, unconsciously, a child still throwing a tantrum because they lost and they couldn't uh, handle it. Um, yeah. So that's one other thing that uh, judo teaches you and approach things strategically with confidence. Right, right. Very great. Um, thanks, Sarah. I, I absolutely agree, especially on the point that it teaches you how to fall. It teaches you failure and that failure ultimately can be a very good thing for you because it forces right. you to get up again and become better. Um, I mean, that's something that I personally realized very early on uh, as a judoka when I, when I was younger. And, um, well, th- my first competition went very good, a uh, few of my first competitions. But then I remember the competition where I did not get a medal. And that was like a really big thing for me, like getting the medal. And uh, I got really disappointed and I felt that feeling of disappointment in yourself because in judo, all the responsibility is on you as a single individual. It's your uh, development. In a team sport, you can kind of spread the, the, the winnings and also the failures, but in judo, it's only you. <laughs> so when you get disappointed in yourself, it's, it affects you very hard, uh, but you become very humble because of this, right. because you realize that there is always someone who's going to be a little bit better. But that should be a motivating thing. It's not about being the best person I, I, or beating at other people. It's about being a better you. Um, and, and that's uh, something that everyone can relate to, I think. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, it, um, in the martial arts world, it's very cliche to say, you know, you're, you're your own enemy or uh, there is no opponent. It's only between you and yourself. But it, it is very true. Right. Right. Um, I mean, there are many because everyone is not I, I have never really heard uh, the philosophy of um, 
let's say the the modern day uh, judokas like uh, Ono or uh, Mura, Murayama or uh, Iliadis, I don't really know their philosophy on judo. If I study the philosophy of judo, I want to go back to the, the founders of judo. I want to go back right. in time. Um, but of course, the, the way that people view judo, because it's an ever-evolving process, of course it has changed. I mean, it's changed with the competition rules dramatically. It's always changing, really. Sometimes I feel that it's changing a bit too much. Um, and it's changing in the way of its philosophy. Do you think that this part of judo that we're discussing right now, which is a bit more of the philosophical part, do you think that's a topic that should be brought up more in the judo world? Because I don't hear it around me a lot. It's very difficult to find people who talk uh, in this type of way about martial arts or judo, at least in my circle. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it. Do you think it's something that could help uh, people uh, to become more conscious of the, themselves and also how to connect that to their martial art? Um, yeah, I, in a sense, I do feel it uh, too because, you know, here in France, it's the judo circle so to speak it's very highly competitive and you have a lot of high level judokas constantly training dieting um, for example if they see me on the open mat as a colored belt they wouldn't even when i like when i lift my hand and i approach them like they just turn around and leave they want someone better they they don't even like recognize you in a sense because mm. um, they're preparing for that competition and uh in my opinion at least that's just me. Uh, it's a bit disrespectful to do that. Yeah. Um, because we're all here growing. We should, we're all here growing. And also, you don't know what my skills are. I, I started beating black belts early in my white belt days. Mm -hmm. um, you don't know who you're, you're, you're dealing with. Like, I've dealt with, like, BJJ brown belts that had, you know, a, a blue belt level and vice versa. Um, and also just, um, so they're very much into the sports aspect. Uh, yeah, I know they're pushing themselves and I, I admire that, but, um, uh, there is a lot of the stuff that shows in their behavior that they don't want to train with you or they don't want to even like just drill and drop you on the ground with Nage Komi. They don't even want to do that. So I would always be around the veterans, the black belt veterans, you know, with the, like with the, the white hair on their sides yeah. um, or like really old guys or the colored belts like me. Um, so it, it shows that no, no one is really taking it. It's all about, you know, their work. It's all about their competition. It's all about themselves. And uh, in a sense, I don't feel that's the entire philosophy really brought up um, or, you know, taken into consideration. And also when it comes to talking, you know, history and really reading um, mind over muscle or canon of judo, or I don't feel that's being done. Um, how, do you, how do you say, like being done enough? Right. And so that's why I created that space on my channel for these things, because, you know, not everything is competition. Even Kano Sensei said, you know, okay, obviously this is too idealistic, but I happen to fall in a bit into that category because not only I started late uh, in life doing judo, but also my main reasons was to be a better person and also defend myself and, you know, create a good environment around me. And this is what he wanted as well. So I happen to be more curious in, to, in terms of that philosophy mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, teachings. So, but everyone else that started really early and they're very much competitive and, I mean, and I understand where you're, they're coming from because an athlete's life is very short. So yeah. to them, like, I'm not going to waste it with this colored belt who's not going to, like, put up a challenge. Mm. That's how they see it. So I try to see it from their point of view. But uh, is it, like, respectful? Uh, to me, it's not, but uh, it's understandable. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I totally understand. Yeah, uh, right. They might have their reasons um, and so on, like you mentioned. 
But I think that competition, I mean, I, I really like to compete. Uh, I love competing in judo, um, but it's very uh, demanding on, uh, on your mind as well to, to compete. Yeah. Um, it takes a lot of you as a person. And sometimes it can become a little bit overwhelming um, for some people. I, I know a few judokas who um, personally, who they have, they, they've won a lot of competitions in judo. And when they started to lose, they did not like judo anymore. And, and I was thinking to myself, like, what the hell? Like, this is not the purpose of judo. Just because you yeah. start losing does not mean that you just take the entire martial art, throw it away, and go to something they, else. They quit judo no. entirely? Uh, yeah. After repeatedly so losing and realizing that there's more to it than just what they have been used to. Um, and that was, and, but, you know, they were quite young as well. Uh, so yeah. that can also be quite understandable. Um, but that's but, the problem with clubs. Right. Right. Like, uh, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you were saying? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, like, I, in my first club, it was mostly teenagers. So we were like uh, four, five adults. So we would only train with each other. And I was, like, a, like I said, a white belt, orange belt. And I really didn't really care. So I was just training with heavier guys and they were all advanced. So that's all I wanted. And also the teenagers. The teenagers can teach you quite a lot. Like you have your, your, uh, your very athletic 17-year-old that can really put up a fight. But, but my point is, um, when I got into that club, there were also a lot of kids, like 8 years old, 10 years old, 12 years old. Um, they would get into judo and right away, when can you go to competition? They would ask their parents, how much do you weigh uh, on Sunday? Can you go? Like, it's all yeah. to them. It's like, it's like playing basketball and, uh, or tennis uh, with all due respect to the other sports. Mm. Um, they, they can, they, they require a lot of dedication. They require a lot of training, but um, in terms of philosophy and teachings like judo, they severely lack and um, they see when the first thing they do when they um, get into the club, like it's like everything else in life, you know, your first date or your first kiss or your first job or your first day in university, it's going to severely uh, impact your perception on that particular field in life. Yeah. So when they go in and it's all competition and come on, let's go on Sunday, you have this tournament and they're just little kids um, or don't get me wrong, competition has its place and it's a great way to develop children's minds of, you know, accepting the loss and really learning from it. But that's all they see. They don't sit them down like Kuzo Mifune used to do. Kuzo Mifune's uh, students would actually get sick of him uh, because of how much he talked after class. Uh, Kano Sensei, uh, he was mocked in school because of his lectures were way too long and... Uh, like even his like colleagues in at work, not the students, they would say like this man was so boring. He would talk way too much. But I understand why they did that because they they realize it's not just you know what we are doing in the academic books in the case of Kano or uh, in the case of Kuzo Mifune where it's not just technique and randori, but also there's a lot of it. If you see his book, it starts off very much literary and philosophical, and then towards like half of it, I believe. It goes into technique, and that's how judo is. It's a mix of both. Mm. Right. And I think that's also what makes judo very special, that it has that, uh, those philosophical roots. Uh, because Jigoro Kano, he was, a, he was a very educated man. And, um, right. well, back then, in those days, judo had to be protected. And, of course, there was a lot of competition back then. Back then, there, it was really competition because it was about preserving the, the style of judo and um, defeating the other, uh, the enemies, basically. So there was a lot of competition mindset, which I think is important, like you mentioned. It can help us a lot, but it's also, yeah. it's a very small part of judo. It's not everything. It's a, it's a limited yeah. thing. Like even just going to open match and not, you know, reg like competing in championships, 
that will really help with your growth. You know, open mats. You have all these black belts or all these people that you don't know you're seeing for the first time and you're sparring. You, you don't know their tactic. You don't know if they're right-handed or left-handed. You just go in. That's why I love open mats. And Kano, as well said, you know, test judo against each other. Really go into these. Like, for example, in the old days, they would have these, um, for example, if a dojo opened up, the, the opening ceremony is, of course, you know, you introduce the teachers, um, the people, the senpai, and all these people that made it happen. But it becomes, after that, like a really big open mat with all these other students from other schools. And, um, you know, your Kano would participate in those and do randori with them. So, uh, like, just going to open mats and really just uh, hammering it down, uh, you know, randori... be very beneficial for you as well mm. right that's a right. form of competition right but it's uh, it's like it's not like just about the podium and the medal or the title just go in and really learn and you know, get beat up right and you, you you're not afraid of losing it like it doesn't matter because you know yeah. that you probably should be losing as well <laughs> of course if you don't lose like you're not learning right right Hmm. Yeah, like I started very late, like I said. So uh, uh, there are like turn here in France, adult colored belts are a rarity. So there's not much for them. It's not like BJJ. Um, like again, not everyone is like me, but um, you know, I'm sure there are very good, you know, guys in their late twenties, early thirties who are like um, a brown belt or a blue belt, and they can offer something, you know, competitively, maybe. Um, a champion, like a national championship for colored belts, or like they do in PJJ, you have uh, each belt has their own like big competition, old or young. Uh, judo here in France, unfortunately, it does not do that because you know, again, if you want to compete, you should you have the right to do that. But you know, for me, um, it's not all about that. It's mainly for me and you know, just uh, you know, growing as a person, basically. Right. Yeah. I agree. And uh, like you said there with the the open competitions where, I mean, I've met judokas who were um, on a lower, so quote unquote lower level or just a lower belt. And uh, I found yeah. them sometimes very, very difficult, even more difficult than the people at my level. So, yeah. so you never know, you know, sometimes you might meet a person who's just naturally very strong and you're going to be like this. How, right, extremely stiff, and you're not used to that because judokas are usually very flexible. So you have to ask right. yourself, okay, so how can I adapt, adapt to this situation? And that might be difficult because you might not be used to it, but that can be a challenge on its own that you can help uh, develop right. yourself in your judo. Oh, not only that, um, if you're used to flexible people, if you got to go on the street and, you know, I hope it doesn't happen to uh, to anyone, but you know, you have to defend yourself. Are you going to say like, no, I don't want to fight. You're not flexible or you're too aggressive or you're too stiff with your slap. Stop it. Like that's, you don't have the choice. Right. Right. You need to, you need to adjust like the, they call it the spazzy white belt or whatever, but you need to adjust. Mm. And also it can be a randori round where, you're teaching them. It's not all about you. Right? That I, I'm sure, maybe you, you teach that uh, you know, yellow, orange, green belt something, and they might take it with them like for years, and it can help their judo. Again, it's not all about you. That's why I feel it's a bit disrespectful when they look at you. Then they, you can see their eyes go down to your belt, and then they just say like, "No, I'm taking this this round off." Mm, yeah yeah i know that feeling i i guess everyone has felt that uh, who uh has been doing judo that someone of a higher level and they just look down on you because of your belt i mean in japan they don't even have colored belt belts right only for children uh, only for children right okay yeah hmm. um but like even the um yeah what you were saying uh, I, I was just going to ask you if you've done a lot of competition. Have you competed? Uh, uh, yeah, I competed quite a few times. Um, I, I competed twice in just regular 
judo, mm-hmm. you know, what we call IGF or Olympic, and two times in uh, Niwaza. All right, cool. So, because um, the reason I, I want two medals. I, I kind of wanted to, a thing that I've been struggling with a lot in my judo personally is um, the difference in mentality between training and competition and how you shift your mind to competition mentality. Um, because I feel, have felt that some competitions, my mind has just been very clear. I haven't thought about anything. Everything has just been kind of intuitive. And those, those times usually it's been going pretty good for me. And the times where I have been very strategic, it's also been yeah. going well for me. Sometimes when I have had like too much aggression, it's not been going good. And sometimes it's been going good. But I've had a difficult time mostly just separating the mentality between competition and training. And I feel like sometimes I don't get the mentality that I'm looking for in competition because I don't know if my mind is not taking it seriously enough, if I'm not focused enough, but there's just this kind of lagging, so to speak. So how do you think that we can, in competition, uh, make the most out of our martial art or judo? What type of mindset do we need in a competition setting? Um, Well, this is something I learned from architecture school, and that is, you know, managing your stress. I mean, architecture school, sometimes um, you would have the last correction on Friday afternoon, and the project is due Monday uh, noon or in the morning. So you'd have from Friday afternoon or evening, you'd come back, you take a small nap, and then you wouldn't sleep until you present that project. And you can imagine there's a lot of work and it's very stressful. Um, managing your stress obviously is one thing, you know, being calm in those situations or, and that comes with experience. Obviously your first competition, it's, it's not like your last when it comes to mentality. Right. Um, or your first ever randori, it's not like, you know, now now you, you take it, you know, I'm sure a lot a lot of the stuff in judo you take it, it's a lot of fun now, you enjoy it, you don't feel nervous anymore. And I think, yeah, this is just it. It's experience and uh, stress management and also outside life factors, sometimes they, they affect you without even knowing. Um, for mm-hmm. example, my last competition, I lost. I never got a medal. I never even won a match. The... Um, I, it was like a, like a, we call it pool in French. So you play against everyone and then they decide your medals. Um, uh, I lost the first one with uh, Osaikomi and the second one, I, I went for a throw and I got countered. So uh, I was training the entire month leading up to that competition. But uh, first of all, when I got there, I wasn't present and I was like almost afraid. And you know what Kano says, if, if you're, if you're, going in afraid you already lost yeah uh and also that but it hit me that the past month i have been um taking care of uh, a family member that uh, just got out of a very serious surgery and uh, and they were like really struggling so it uh but so for example i would take care of them all day drive them around if they needed to go someplace uh, and at night I would go to train and I figured, okay, since I'm getting my training, that's all that matters, but it, it, it affects you. Like you're constantly worrying about that person and it's tiring you mentally. Uh, it's going to go with you to competition. Right. Uh, so you have all these aspects getting in together. So I really cannot say, you know, okay, just do this and you'll be fine. So you have to have your competition experience and also, you know, see the aspects of your life. Where are you now? Are you going through? You know, you lost your job. Are you going through a divorce? Or, you know, can you provide for your little kids? I cannot really point out and say, you know, that this will help you. Right. Uh, I agree. Those uh, outside factors are um, sometimes, like you said, unconsciously affecting us. And um, it's also about, that's why it's important to always have a a balance in life that our, our life outside the mat is also tuned yeah. so that there can be a balance. Uh, and that's extremely important. 
Right. Um, and, and also, like you said, the fear that that's a very, uh, <laughs> that, that's a topic that I'm extremely interested in, like getting rid of the fear, kind of separating yourself from the fear, be, being present, knowing that there's no reason to fear because it's not about life and death. It's you're going to be fine anyways. It's usually after the match, if you didn't do your best, you usually blame yourself. Like, why didn't I just do my best when I had the time? Why did I let fear limit me in that moment? So and you feel stupid and embarrassed in a sense. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, that again goes back to your upbringing. Like again, me and fighting is a very long story. And uh, you know, someone that grew up in judo and you know stood up for themselves, I don't, I don't think they're gonna have these types of fears like I did. So. So that's, again, it really goes back to your own psychology as well. Exactly. You know, judo is not going to make you like perfect, but it can help you, you know, uh, straight things out in some aspects. Yeah, right, right. And um, I also believe that the um, identity that we attach ourselves to as a judo player, let me just take a personal example. In Sweden, because I'm from Sweden, and this is where I've grown up doing judo, um, I know who I am here as a judoka. I know the people around me. I know the competitions. I, the people around me also know about me and who I am as a judoka. So I've already kind of formed an identity of who I believe that I am. Um, but around two years ago, I was in um, South Korea uh, by myself and I was training judo. And I also went to a competition and I found that when I was at that competition, because there no one knew who I was, I was basically unknown. So it was a sort of relief as well for myself because I knew yeah. I didn't have to live up to any certain standard or pressure that was put uh, from myself or anyone else. And that kind of releasing that baggage is a huge uh, uh, stress relief as well because we always carry around this baggage of our judo, what we think we are and who we think we are. Um, and I believe that can be a very limited thing, limiting thing for us. Um, yeah, that's, again, that's too, putting too much stress on yourself that is not really necessary. Um, sometimes like one of the best things I've done in life were the stuff that I've done where there was no you know, expectations. Um, when, um, when I was failing at some point, like during the second uh, and third year of architecture school, uh, my GPA was low and, and there were projects that I was completely failing and there was just so much riding on me. And, uh, if I signed one more probation, I would, I would, um, basically the policy would say that you would have to change your major and this stuff can be very stressful. But around the fourth year, when I started Aikido, at, on the side, I also started to paint and I got really good, really fast. And I got a lot of attention really fast uh, because I was doing it, because I wanted to do it. There was no stress. So sometimes, yeah, you, you um, think this goes back to like a lot of these confusion. I, I'm not very well versed in those philosophies, but um, they basically say, you know, those Eastern philosophies where, you know, do things, but don't think of the outcome. And that, if you think about it a little bit, you would, you would uh, notice that uh, it really takes a lot of stress out of your, uh, your work or whatever you're doing. Absolutely. So just, just go and do it. You know, you love it, do it, have not, not, not necessarily have fun with it because just do it, enjoy, enjoy it. That's it. Don't think about the metal. Don't think, you know, just, okay, I have this match. I'm going to go in and have that match. Okay, oh, there's another match after that. Okay, let's go in. So that, that aspect can be relieving in terms of fear and competition stress and life in general. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. Wow. Um, first of all, thank you uh, for wanting to join this podcast, Shadi. It's been a great pleasure. I, I want to ask you also a little bit about the, before uh, – we wrap it up. The future of judo, um, how do you think that judo will evolve in terms of competition rules? Because, I mean, I've heard rumors that they might add leg grabbing again. I'm not sure. Um, 
and that they might uh, limit certain things. I mean, sometimes I feel now personally that the competitions of judo are a bit too strict because there are so many details that you have to be aware of at the same time as you're doing your judo. It's not like a, like a sparring session. It's like a whole different yeah. thing. Do you believe it's been a positive development of the rules or a negative one? And how do you believe that it's going to evolve in the future? Think like, even though we tend to think, you know, they're very restrictive and uh, it's like, like, I'm talking about IJF or Kurukan or whoever, like this big body of, um, of people that make up rules. For example, let's talk about leg grabs. Leg grabs was strictly done as a political uh, this it was a political battle in the Olympics. Um, you had wrestling that was very popular and a little bit overshadowing judo. I saw this uh, from a one of the head uh, instructors at the Kodokan. He was talking about this on the uh, uh, I forgot what it's called, Empty Mind Films, um, the judo episode where they, they they actually talked about leg grabbing. So it was being a little bit overshadowed by wrestling. Um, and a lot of the um, Eastern Bloc were very much into grabbing legs and looking a little bit like wrestling with the jacket, like freestyle. Um, so they eliminated it. And it, judo became like a very monumental, picturesque throws compared to, you know, a Phil Tsarnage, okay, I just grab the leg and dive in deep. Or without the grips, I grab the pants and do like a running Morotegari, which looks awful. Um, and they won that battle. They now judo in terms of popularity in the Olympics is very high and wrestling, particularly Greco is on its way out. So um, that's why it was done. So maybe after wrestling things can, after, you know, they won that battle completely against wrestling, things might go back possible. But for example, now, I don't know if you see the, the, um, the new rules where if you're grabbing the sleeve, uh, or the lapel, like very down low, you can wrap your elbow on the leg. Like the old Kochi Makikomi, if you're grabbing the sleeve and you wrap your elbow around the leg, you can do that now. Or Tomoenage, you can wrap your leg, that's, the hand that's holding the sleeve, you can wrap it around the ankle and really block it. Oh. So, in a sense, like I think they are hearing the people what they're saying. Uh, and also you have the, I think judo's next battle would be, it's uh, just like its popularity in Olympics with wrestling. I also think it might be a popularity contest with BJJ. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, there's such a... No, it's possible. It's such a rivalry sometimes, or it has at least felt like it, there's been a sort of rivalry between... Uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and judo but it's basically I mean it's it's almost the same thing it's uh, judo newasa and uh, I guess art but different focuses to me at least like that's how I see it if you look at the old old footage um, like how they were doing newasa it's like IBJJF today it's no mm. different now you have the no gi leg locks uh, 10th planet John Danaher stuff in my opinion, that's an art of its own um, mm. in terms of approaching things, uh, no takedowns, sit up guards. Like that would never exist in judo. Even then, like gi neiwaza, like you you grab, you pull, and then you start doing a lot of very familiar judo things. But in those like rash guards, shorts, attacking legs uh, when you're sitting down, it's. Uh, I don't think anyone with you know, looking for self-defense or looking, you know, to really, um, how do you say, like, become like a, a genuine fighter would be interested in that. Unless, like, if you see all these uh, no-gi guys, like the big ones, they all started in gi, like Craig, even Craig Jones, Gordon Ryan, uh, even Eddie Bravo started with the gi. And uh, that's how they made their way into no-gi. So, uh, I think it really is a thing of its own and it's it's becoming very popular in martial arts because, you know, they say no gi, okay, I can take it into MMA, uh, etc. But someone that's really looking to be uh, a genuine, you know, uh, you know, can stand up on their own two feet, 
fight self-defense, I think uh, the choice will always be just classical BJJ with the gi and judo. That That's the question they always ask me, like, should I do uh, judo or uh, I want to do self-defense? Should I do judo or BJJ? And I always say judo because, you know, you have to be always standing up. You know, right. At you least be somewhat that. efficient in taking someone down. Like, even Henry Gracie talking about self-defense and bullying, uh, when he analyzes those street fight footage, he would always say, you know, just take them down and disengage. Or if you can uh, disengage with just talking, that's best. But he never says, you know, go down, play guard, none of that. Right. <laughs> right. And judo is so complete, you know, it's, it's both standing up and it's uh, on the ground. And it, there's also like in between the transition from, um, from uh, Tachiwasa to Newasa is also a thing on its own. And, uh, I talked about that. Uh, in, I, I did a video. It's a 20-minute video, very long analysis about the guard, the sweeps, etc. And I talked about uh, what judo has that BJJ doesn't have is that quick transition where they fall right into the submission like a failed Ochigari, but you're still grabbing the collar. They turned around to avoid the Ippon. You can finish it with Okuri Eijime or a Tomoe Nage. Uh, they landed in Wazari, I can finish it with, you know, Juji uh, Gitane, something very basic. But you, I know BJJ now, they have the Tomonage as a great way to pull guard, but everything else in terms of Uchimata's great Serenage's Tayotoshi and finish on the ground, that will always be Judo. You're right, right. Yeah, I mean, no hard feelings towards BJJ. I mean, I think it's a great Again, martial art. Yeah. And I've met some... Um, uh, I, I've done a little bit of BJJS, just a little practice, and oh my god, like those guys, they oh, they're so flexible, and it's a whole different type of newasa, really. I mean, they they focus a lot on uh, it's like a chess game almost. It's a very very strategic. Me when I'm doing newasa, I just want to finish right away, jujigatame uh, or shimawasa or whatever. Mentality. That's the judo mentality because in real life. That's the mentality of the ground. You, you need to go in, finish the job, and get out. That's the reality. But you can do, but I'm sure like a very highly experienced black belt, I'm sure on the streets you can get down, finish the job, and get up just like a judoka because of their experience on the yeah. ground, I'm sure. But while standing up, you need to handle yourself well. And that's why you need uh, judo or you know, at least Greco-Roman wrestling. Um, but, for example, what I really like about BJJ is, you know, I've again, I've had my fair share of uh, rounds with them, uh, is that when they pin you and you can see the submission coming from a mile away and you can do nothing about it. That's, that's something I really like. About uh, yeah, right, right. <laughs> and also, they, they use your game a lot. They're, What's that? They use their legs a lot to like tr to uh, lock you in and in weird positions and stuff. It's and that uh, they have leg lock. Yeah. It's, uh, it's it's a whole art, really. <laughs> yeah. I believe like in terms of leg locks, judo can have leg locks and still be safe uh, as long as like I know people say like oh they'll just tap they'll be fine, but really. Uh, like one tear, it can really send you in a very terrible place. Mariama in 2013 almost ended his career because of that tear on the inside of the knee, which can be done with something like Ashigarami. So if you can do like a straight ankle lock, um, a calf slice, which is on the level of the knee, and there is, uh, I saw this uh, game of Jiu-Jitsu 1906. Um, Yukio Tani was doing this submission where he is like in Tate Shio, uh, Tate Shio Gatami or the mount, and you have your hooks in, you know, when you do that. Mm -hmm. And he got, he put his torso up almost to the level of the head and he spread his legs with the hooks in. So it's, uh, it acts like a crotch split in a sense. So mm -hmm. if we add that and a calf slice, you know, because we can get it from the turtle, you can get it uh, in a lot of good ways from uh, like a Ochigari, failed Ochigari, you can roll and grab the leg and slice the calf, which is on the level of the knee, and a straight ankle lock. So you basically know how to attack the entire lower body without really tearing up ligaments and, you know, really hurting someone. Because, again, we have to remember uh, mutual be benefit for others. 
and we don't have to win on the expense of their athletic career. Right. Exactly. Yeah, there's uh, accidents happen like a, a failed tanatoshi or something that can really bust someone's knee. But usually, beginners tend to do that. You see it very rarely on the IJF world stage. But um, again, if you want to attack the legs, there's a safe way to do it. It's like a, a popped ankle. Let's just say it happened with a straight ankle lock. No ligaments were damaged. It can be put back into place, very similar to Jujigatame. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And there are, I mean, judo techniques generally, they, they can be extremely dangerous. Uh, if you do a, a throw and you don't complete it, and there, that can have like serious effects. It's the reason judo works usually is because there are two judokas and the, you can fall. You know how to fall correctly. Um, a person who does not know anything about judo, a person who does not have that ground balance that it's like, it's almost, it's almost ridiculous. As a judoka, I look at some people and their balance and I'm just like, what? (laughs) But it's like, I'm so, I'm so used to it. So it's become a part of my life. Like when I, the way that I walk, the way that I just carry myself, it's all, it's like judo is deeply enrooted into my being. And I think that judokas really know that, that judo is more than just uh, a sport. It becomes a way of life, really. Um, and it can have tremendous effects on every aspect of your life in a positive direction. But still, uh, like we mentioned today in this episode, you have to become more aware, perhaps, of uh, yourself and uh, a little bit of the philosophical side of judo and the purpose of why are you doing judo, really. Um, so, Chadi, I want to thank you a lot for joining this podcast. Um, is there anything you would like to say as a final thing to the listeners? Um, all judokas, competitive or not, a veteran, uh, recreational, uh, young, uh, I think, just like when we go on the mats and do very basic uchikomi every time, no matter your grade, no matter your belt, I think we should always go back and read the, the, the writings, at least of Kano Sensei. That's it. You always need to remind yourself of these values, just like you always remind yourself of the basic techniques. Um, not even that. Like I know my favorite books, I've gone back and forth and read them at least six times mm. because there's always like something you missed or you, you are reminded of something that can really help you in your life in general. So, values and uh, like principles of judo they constantly be need to be studied just like the techniques right yeah i uh, i totally agree there <laughs> thank you so much everyone listening uh thank you for that you have been listening even if you do not do any martial arts or any judo or whatever i hope that you have learned something um if you want you can check out uh, chadi's uh, youtube channel Uh, I'll post it as well uh, and put a link uh, so you can find it. And there was a lot of good material there that you can, even if you don't know the technical part of martial arts and judo, there is a lot of things that you can learn and perhaps it can spark an interest for a a potential um, interest in martial arts for you. Um, All right, Chadi, thanks a lot. And uh, everyone listening, take care and remember to stay cautious.